Archiver is made possible by a grant from the Kansas Humanities Council and is a member of the Fountain City Frequency family of podcasts. Well, you know what this episode is about. Now, Kansas hasn't produced the number of presidents and presidential candidates as, say, Virginia or New York. But Kansans, both famous and a bit unusual, have played an important role. We've had a war hero, a millionaire, a prohibitionist, and a communist run for president. We'll talk about all of them, but I want to focus on the 1996 Bob Dole campaign against a Clinton, which touched on things we're still grappling with in 2016. It'll sound familiar, except for how it ends. The podcast is Archiver, the episode, Presidential Politics, and the Man from Russell. Me, I'm your host, Sam Zeff. And so today, and so today, tempered by adversity, seasoned by experience, mindful of the world as it is, yet confident it can be made better, I have come home to Kansas with a grateful heart to declare that I am a candidate for the presidency of the United States. That's Dole announcing in Topeka on April 10, 1995. He was supposed to appear on the statehouse steps, but the weather went south on him, and they moved the event indoors. A lot of things would head south on Dole in the next 18 months, and we'll get into that in a bit. But before we get deep into the 1996 Bob Dole campaign, I want to bring in archiver historian Virgil Dean to talk about all the other Kansans who ran for president. Two major party candidates besides Bob Dole uh, have come out of uh, Kansas. Alf Landon in 1936, who would lose in a landslide to FDR, and then uh, Eisenhower, who in 1952 would be, uh, would, be, uh, would be elected. I want to uh, talk about both of them, and then two, a couple of other lesser-known candidates, but no less interesting. Uh, but first, I want to play uh, this little clip from a British Pathé newsreel when Landon was nominated. The battle is on. The Republican National Convention has nominated Governor Alfred Mossman Landon, the Kansas Coolidge, as its candidate for president. The 48-year-old governor first attracted nationwide attention by balancing his state budget despite the Depression. He is a family man, enjoying the company of his father, wife, and three children in his intimate family circle. As Republican candidate, his war cry is economy and common sense. The time has come for a direct attack on the attempted Washington to substitute a tax-eating bureaucracy for a liberal democratic system. Business recovery offers more promise of employment than a thousand wildcat schemes. Many a governor, including Roosevelt, has gone from the governor's mansion to the White House. The Republicans think Alf Landon is the man who will win in November. He is our next president if he can beat Roosevelt. 
Well, of course, he doesn't come anywhere close to beating uh, Roosevelt in 1936. So, Virgil, I'm interested in a couple of things. Uh, what do they mean by the Kansas Coolidge? Well, I'm not sure I would go with that definition or that characterization, but I think what they're looking at is the uh, the economy, the frugality of the men, and the family values, if I can use that more re- modern term for uh, the family man image that he's trying to purvey. And uh, the idea that there's a real contrast between these two men and FDR, who would be a more cosmopolitan type, an Easterner who comes across very different than the plain, somewhat plain-spoken Alf Landa. But the interesting thing is that nobody was really predicting a landslide early on. And so Alf Landon, when he started working to get the nomination, uh, was, among a, among a lot of other people, thought that he had a real good chance at it. Um, I think it wasn't until after the election in '36 that people realized that FDR was as popular as he was. I want to fast forward now to uh, 1952 uh, and the Eisenhower campaign. The man from Abilene, out of the heartland of America, out of this small frame house in Abilene, Kansas, came a man, Dwight D. Eisenhower. Through the crucial hour of historic D-Day, he brought us to the triumphant peace of V.E. Day. Now another crucial hour in our history. The big question. General, if war comes, is this country really ready? It is not. The administration has spent many billions of dollars for national... Yet today, we haven't enough tanks for the fighting in Korea. It is time for a change. The nation, haunted by the stalemate in Korea, looks to Eisenhower. Eisenhower knows how to deal with the Russians. He has met Europe's leaders, has got them working with us. Elect the number one man for the number one job of our time. November 4th, vote for peace. Vote for Eisenhower. A paid film. Now, other TV spots uh, would have a very catchy jingle, I Like Ike. This one is very serious, ominous uh, at times. So I want to cover uh, both the need to deal with the Russians at the time. My goodness, we heard about that in the uh, uh, in a number of presidential debates this year. But again, I'm struck by, uh, here's another person, another sort of small town, the man from Abilene. So uh, is, that, is, that the, is, is that what they're trying to go for here? Yeah, I think so. And, and Eisenhower himself makes lots of references to his Kansas roots. When he first comes back as a conquering hero after World War II, he talks, the, that's when I think he makes the famous quote, the proudest thing that I can say is that I'm from Abilene. So it's always the emphasis on Abilene or Kansas, but often specifically that. So I think it's a very, uh, not surprising, but a very uh, apt uh, phrase that they, the campaign picks up on to identify him with a small town in the Midwest. Right. And here again, of course, is a guy who has been all over the place, uh, a world leader world uh, in terms of military. He hasn't been in Kansas uh, for live, to live in, live in Kansas for years. Uh, but his family remains uh, at least a part of it until, well, clear up through the period. So he uh, does have the connections, and it's, so it's a legitimate tie. It is a uh, – it must be a Kansas thing because we see that in the Dole campaign later on, the man from Russell. But as you say, uh, Alf Landon, not just uh, a political man but a millionaire, didn't grow up in t- whatever little cabin that uh, that Eisenhower uh, right. grew up in. Eisenhower goes on uh, to go to uh, to West Point uh, to spend uh, uh, his career in the military. Uh, very worldly man. And Bob Dole uh, didn't, you know, by the time he ran for president, didn't really uh, have 
much to do with with Russell. Right. Um, Dole, once when he left for um, the the, the uh, Congress the first time in 1961, I guess, um, he comes back, of course, obviously for political reasons and to keep in touch with his district and his family that remains there, but uh, never lives in Kansas again, as far as I know. Uh, from that point on. So that's what, 36 years at the time he runs for, for president, that he's really really been quite, quite a bit removed from the state. So Ike and Alf would go on to become GOP elder statesmen, not forgotten, but not necessarily political players. Not soul for Dole, who is a force in politics right this minute. Now, when you look back, things often seem inevitable. Dole led Senate Republicans for years. He ran for VP in 1976 with Jerry Ford. He was GOP national chairman. He was the odds-on favorite when he got in the race in 1995. But the field was big and diverse. Pat Buchanan ran. So did billionaire Steve Forbes. Senators Lamar Alexander and Phil Graham ran. And also some guy named Maury Taylor. The primary wasn't a cakewalk for Dole. He lost in New Hampshire, Arizona, and Delaware. But in the end, he got 59% of the vote, with Buchanan finishing a distant second with 21%. Now, Dole was a conservative to be sure, but he was a compromiser, someone you could deal with. But he was forced hard to the right by his primary challengers, and that's where he stayed. And just like Ike and Alf, Dole would sell himself as a plain-spoken son of Kansas, Here he is accepting the nomination. And who am I that stands before you tonight? I was born in Russell, Kansas. A small town in the middle of the prairie, surrounded by wheat and oil wells. As my neighbors and friends from Russell tonight sit in the front of this hall know well, Russell, though not west, looks out upon the west. And like most small towns on the plains, it is a place where no one grows up without an intimate knowledge of distance. And the first thing you learn on the prairie is the relative size of a man compared to the lay of the land. And under the immense sky where I was born and raised, a man is very small. And if he thinks otherwise, he is wrong couple of things about Dole in 1996. While 73 years old, he looked great. Dark hair, tanned, looked like he could still be serving in the Army's 10th Mountain Division. But Dole wasn't a great orator. He wasn't folksy. And at times he had trouble sticking to the script. All that would hurt him against Bill Clinton, seeking his second term. With a Clinton at the top of the ticket again, it's a little spooky to see some of the same attacks from 20 years ago. How about this TV spot on, excuse me? Dangerous immigrants. Two million illegal aliens in California. 20,000 in our prisons. 400,000 crowd our schools. Every year they cost us three billion tax dollars. Bill Clinton has fought California in court, forcing us to support them. Clinton fought Prop 187, cut border agents, gave citizenship to aliens with criminal records. We pay the taxes. We are the victims. Our children get shortchanged. If Clinton wins, Dole would also attack Clinton on what kind of judges he would pick and charge that he was soft on crime. Has a 2016 ring to it, no? And while Trump the Republican is the one with the sex scandals this year, 
Dole and the RNC had a field day with Clinton's peccadilloes. Bill Clinton. He's really something. He's now trying to avoid a sexual harassment lawsuit claiming he's on active military duty. Active duty? Newspapers report that Mr. Clinton claims as commander-in-chief he's covered under the Soldiers and Sailors Relief Act of 1940, which grants automatic delays in lawsuits against military personnel until their active duty is over. Active duty? Bill Clinton. He's really something. But in the end, nothing would help. Clinton never trailed in the polls. The Dole campaign was in total disarray with epic infighting. The joke was the campaign would pick sites for a rally when Dole looked out the plane window and just decided to land. In the last few days, he lashed out not only at Clinton but the media, a sure sign in politics things are going poorly. And in another nod to today, as the campaign neared its end, many congressional Republicans abandoned Dole to save themselves. The RNC spent $4 million in targeted districts to save their newly attained majorities in the House and Senate. It was a pasting. Clinton got 379 electoral votes, Dole 159. In the popular vote, Clinton got 49 percent, Dole 41 percent, and Ross Perot got 8 percent. And while Perot had some amusing moments, in the end his run doesn't mean much today. The next night, unburdened by a campaign he knew he was going to lose, Dole went on the David Letterman show where he was very, very funny. Not a surprise to people who knew him. Well, the reason I came back tonight because I unofficially announced on your program in February 95, and I want to know what went wrong. <laughs> You're not holding me responsible you here. Right? If I came on the show, everything would be fine. <laughs> but at least I get 200 bucks for being here tonight. First work I've had. boy, good for you. Take care of that money. You look, you look great. You look like you're, you're not tired. You look like you're already uh, bounced back and ready to go. I'm ready, but no place to go. I mean, yeah. <laughs> you can't leave town. The airport's closed. You know. But in any event, it's good to be on the show. I really. What, what do you want to do now? Are you talking about the people speculating that maybe you'll take some kind of position with the Clinton administration? Is that a possibility? Is that a likelihood? Is that anything you're interested in? <laughs> well, if he uh, wanted to give me his job, I'd, I'd think. Has that ever happened? Well, I think, uh, you know, I think Dole Gore, two four-letter words you get used to, but I, I want to thank Jack Kemp. He's already found work. He's in that cab. <laughs> I, I know and Jack's a real hustler. He doesn't wait long. He went out and found a job the first day. Knocking down that big dough. Yeah. Uh, what was it like when you, uh, the, the night of the election, and you, uh, you, you have to talk to uh, President Clinton? And, uh, had you talked to him much during the campaign directly? Probably not, I wouldn't think. Not, not a lot. We, we sort of talked past each other. We yeah. had two debates, but nobody showed up. And, uh, but I called him, collect, and... Uh, That's nice touch. Yeah. Well, you know, I didn't... Our campaign's been broke for months. Okay, fine. Thank you very much. Mom, will you go back to the hotel? <laughs> but, but we had a very good visit. You know, we had a good visit. He... What do you say to him on the phone in, in uh, a moment like that? I said I lost. But, I, you know, I said congratulations, Mr. President. Uh, you won. It wasn't close. Uh, we both worked very hard, and I said, you know, let's get together and talk about it, not talk about it, but talk about America sometime. 
And it's that call that Dole made to Clinton to concede that's important to hear, especially this year. So Dole quit as Senate Majority Leader and gave up his beloved Senate seat to run for president. Something the New York Times noted in its day-after-election piece, here's how the Times described the campaign. Mr. Dole sacrificed these things not merely to lose the presidency, but to run one of the most ineffectual presidential campaigns in recent memory. Always the legislative tactician, Mr. Dole, according to his close associates, approached the presidential race much as he did a congressional negotiating session, believing that the key to victory was a clever endgame strategy. But so bleak were the polls, and for so long, that Mr. Dole was forced to realize far earlier than most losing candidates that the endgame would probably not be enough. Ineffectual and bleak. Wow. But I want you to listen to a little bit of Dole's concession speech. Let me say that I've, I've talked to President Clinton. We had a good visit, and I congratulated him. And I've said through... No, Uh, I've said repeatedly, wait, I've said repeatedly in this, I've said repeatedly in this campaign that the president is my opponent, not my enemy, and I wish him well and I pledge my support in whatever advances the cause of a better America, because that's what the race was about in the first place, a better America as we go into the next century. My opponent, not my enemy. As we produce this episode, we don't know the outcome of the Clinton-Trump race, but I don't think it will end with someone saying that. Is that small-town Kansas talking, or just a different political era? I don't know, but it sure seems gracious, and maybe even a little quaint. And that's Archiver. The podcast is produced by Matt Hodap in the studios of KCUR 89.3 in Kansas City and is made possible by a grant from the Kansas Humanities Council. Thanks to Audrey Coleman and Aaron Wolf at the Dole Institute in Lawrence for research help. Archiver is a co-production of Fountain City Frequency and Do Good Productions, where Nancy Seelan is executive producer. You can see lots of pictures from all the campaigns we talked about at FountainCityFrequency.com. And hey, if you like Archiver, go ahead and leave a little review over there on the iTunes. For my favorite Kansas historian, Virgil Dean, I'm Sam Zeff, and I'll see you on the next Archiver.